Amen. Thank you, young people. That was good. I enjoyed that and encouraged my heart. Tonight we're gonna be we're gonna start out in 2 Timothy chapter number three. In the beginning, we'll kind of bounce around a little bit and then go to the main text. But when I was reading the other day, this caught my attention. So in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we're going to read the first two verses. There's a list here of really attitudes and attributes that people are going to have in the last days. We're going to focus on one of them tonight. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And I'm going to stop there. And what we're going to focus on tonight is the word unthankful. I believe that Paul told us here that things would just get worse as we drew near the end of time. And one of the attitudes that would be displayed is going to be an unthankful person, an unthankful heart. So tonight we're just going to think about what, how God would have us as Christians to behave and what He wants from our lives. Let's begin with a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message. Lord, we thank You so much tonight for salvation. Lord, we thank You for this church. Lord, it's Your church as we heard this morning. And God, we want to bring honor and glory to You as Your people Lord, I pray tonight for this, for this message, Lord, for your word, that it would speak to the hearts of those who are here. God, Holy Spirit, you know what people need in their lives, and I pray that you would impress upon them, Lord God, what you want from them. Maybe something that needs to change or something that, Lord God, they need to add into their life. I just pray that, God, you would lead us. Help us as your children, Lord, to be obedient to you and obey you in all things that you would command us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think about uh, really our society in general, I think that you do see a spirit of unthankfulness in many people. And I think it's older, younger, but uh, I, mainly the younger crowd, I would say, probably has this mentality that they are entitled. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me that God could inspire Paul as he's writing to show us how things were going to be in the end. And God, you know, God's always true. God knows the beginning from the end, so he knows exactly how it's going to be. And uh, if we look around in our world that we live in, there is this, uh, really this attitude of, I deserve this, this is what you owe me, this is what I, you know. And, and it goes in, in, in workplaces, it probably goes in schools, I'm sure, it goes in homes where people just feel like they're entitled to something. And we see that, and I think, you know, part of our government, they feed into that by, you know, handing all these things out, and then people feel like they're entitled to it. Uh, people are fighting right now to get their $300 unemployment back because I can't make it without it. When I, you know, it's interesting that I drive to work and I see all these signs everywhere saying we're hiring, so you could get a job maybe. That might help, you know, first thing, but, but whatever, you know, what... But honestly, these people feel like, even when you get, when younger people come into the workplace, and, uh, you know, and, and I see it in older people too. I'm not saying I don't, because I see it. But uh, some of them, I mean, just telling them what to do, they feel like they can do whatever they want. If I don't want to do this job, I'm not going to do this job. I'm not going to work. I'm not, and that, that attitude is in people. 
And, uh, and I think that just feeds into people's unthankfulness. They feel like, if you don't give me exactly what I deserve, there's no reason for me to be grateful. But that's not true. It's not true. You know, things in life, I was always taught life is not fair. Sometimes I tell my kids that and they don't necessarily like to hear that. But life is not always fair, is it? But here's the thing. Even if it's not fair, even if you feel like you've been you know, mistreated or whatever, and we're going to look at a story tonight out of the book of Acts that's going to show us uh, how, how two men responded to being mistreated and really to being uh, mishandled, and, 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 we'll, and we'll see what they did. But, uh, you know, I think part of what feeds into this is, and I've heard parents say this before, that they want to give their kids everything that they didn't have because, you know, when they grew up it was tough. And though that may seem like a, you know, a nice idea, it's not good for kids to always get everything that they want. It's not a good thing. You know, it's good for, for people, for children to learn that you have to earn what you get. If your kids just get handed everything that they want in life, they're not going to be thankful. They're going to think, I deserve this. I expect this. But, you know, when they have to learn how to work hard for it, to save up for it, to earn it, it means something to them. Whenever, uh, you know, I've heard my mom and my grandma talk before about when they were kids and Christmas time and how you would get a stocking full of fruit like, you know, oranges, bananas, apples. Can you imagine... <laughs> Can you imagine giving that to somebody who's like super spoiled for Christmas? They open it up on, what is this? What is this? But you know, honestly, they were thankful for those things. And we've gotten to a place where people just expect to have whatever they want. But that is just not what God would have us to, that's not how God would have us to act according to his word. We're going to look at a few verses of scripture tonight. So I'm going to turn through several places first, and then we're going to find our way to the text so first turn with me to Psalms chapter number 100. I mean, we could find so many verses in the Bible that tell us about thanking God, praising God, worshiping Him, and really He deserves it. Psalms chapter 100 and verse number 4. It says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. It's a pretty obvious command, isn't it? Turn to Psalms 107, verse number 1. It says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. God is good, and He deserves to be praised. Let's go to the New Testament now. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 5. I promise I won't make you turn too many times. We're going to get it all out of the way, and then you're not going to have to turn anymore. Ephesians chapter number 5, and verse number 19 and 20. These are familiar verses, I'm sure, to most of us, but it's good to hear these things and remind ourselves. It says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always... For all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. Colossians chapter number 3. Just two more times. And then we'll go to our main text. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15. 
And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. This is a good, they're all good, but this is a good one here. Uh, verse number 18, if I didn't tell you that. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So I don't think that anybody can hear these verses tonight and deny the fact that God has called us to be a thankful people. People who appreciate what God has done for us. And God is good. We could spend tonight just talking about how good and great God is. Because He's a wonderful God. And He deserves our praise. Let's end up in Acts chapter number 16 tonight. This is going to be our main text. Acts chapter number 16. And we're going to read about uh, Paul and Silas. So in Acts chapter number 16, uh, and look in verse number 9. This kind of tells us where they're headed and, and that God led them here. In verse number 9 it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now verse 10 says, And after he had seen the vision, after Paul saw this vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So we see this, that Paul immediately obeys God. And I love that, uh, I love that phrasing there. As soon as Paul knew that God was leading him, he was ready to obey. And he said, let's go, let's do this. Now Paul had determined that it was God's will for them to go into Macedonia and to preach the gospel. So we see the leadership of God in their life. And by the way, God wants to lead us as well. God is a God who wants us to obey him, to follow him and trust him. But as we get into the story, you're going to see that just because God called them into Macedonia didn't mean that everything was going to be perfect in the way that they probably thought it was going to go. It's going to take a turn for the worse here. As God's people, we ought to always be willing to obey the Lord whenever he calls us. When I see this, uh, this word immediately, I, I think of the opposite about Jonah, how God had called him. And instead of saying, okay, God, what you want me to do, I'm going to go to Nineveh, he ran away from God. And the entire time he was resisting God. That is not how we ought to be as God's people. We ought to obey his call. So now let's skip down to verse number 16. So they get into Macedonia, and verse 16 it says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So here we see them, they're going to go to this prayer meeting, and uh, here's this, this lady, this, this damsel, who is possessed by a devil. And, uh, you know, just thinking about that tonight, demons, devils, all these things, they're real. It, it, we can't see them, we can't, uh, I, don't, I don't think that we even understand how hard they're working against people. You know, we go knocking on doors sometimes, or even when people come to church, behind many people's lives, you don't understand what, you know, what the devil is doing to them, deceiving them, keeping them, keeping them back from coming to Jesus, and it's a sad thing, it's a sad thing to see, but like I said, sometimes we forget about really the, the force that works against us, because we can't see it. But if only we could see 
But I want to tell you this, there is more for us than there is against us. You know, we have the enemies, but I'm telling you what, with God on our side, there is way, way, way more power behind that. And if God's for us, the devil, he can't win. So here's this, 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 this young lady who is possessed. And, uh, you know, there, there are uh, obviously people who do this uh, fortune telling and, you know, reading these cards and all this stuff. And some of them are fake as can be. They're all in it to make money. They're all in it. To, uh, they ask you certain questions, and they try to guess it, and then you're like, oh, you knew that. But in all reality, I think the Bible makes it clear. There are people who get into this kind of thing, and, and they're possessed by devils. They're, they have this, this supernatural power behind them. We read that all throughout the New Testament. I think about this, uh, the, the, the man who was at, you know, at the tombs, and he was chained up, and he could break the chains. And It's bad. It's a bad thing. So here we see this lady, and uh, we're going to look in the next verse, uh, but, but here it says that she brought her masters much gain. So these people, these, these men were making money off of this, this young lady. So in verse number 17, the Bible says the same followed Paul. So this lady who was possessed, she's following Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, you know, I don't understand everything about this, but I mean, in all reality, the demon is almost helping them because he's, you know, he's proclaiming their message. But even once, you know, the demons, they knew who Jesus was, didn't they? They knew who Jesus was. They knew his power, his authority. And the same thing is with Paul. They knew what Paul was here to do. And it's not that it was a good thing. So Paul is, he actually, the Bible, we're going to see that he was grieved by this. So she's following them around town and it began to really wear down on Paul. So Paul is... He's, he's trying to go there and preach the message, and this lady's constantly behind them saying these things. And so uh, he's going to turn around, and he's going to get this demon out of her life. Um, there are churches, there are you know, false religions and things of that nature who try to perform these exorcists, and they, and they really don't have the power of God in their life. But in all reality, we see in the scriptures, if somebody has the power of God in their life, through the name of Jesus, demons can be cast out of a person. Um, in Acts chapter 19, you don't have to turn here, but these, uh, the Bible says, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? We're not even talk talking about Jesus who we preach, but it's who Paul preaches, and the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So, you know, somebody, and like I said, the demons are real. And sometimes these, these false religions say they have the answer, but they really don't. It's only through the power of Christ that a person can cast a demon out because it's through Jesus. He has the authority and by the way, Jesus has authority over every demon and devil. There is not one that can resist him. And so we're going to see through this that Paul is going to turn around and say, in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. So look in verse number 18. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. So he commanded this demon in the name of Jesus Christ to leave this woman. And she did. Now this is a good thing. 
It's a good thing to have this demon leave this girl that was possessing her. But I'm going to tell you what, the masters of this girl are not going to be so happy because they're going to see their opportunity to make money off her go away. So it's going to bother them. So the next verse in 19, And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. It's sad to me that these, these masters, these, these, these men would be so concerned about themselves and nobody else. But I mean, that, you know, that just shows you the depravity of man. They didn't care one thing about this girl. They didn't care what happened to her, if it, you know, what hurt her. And that, you know, that's just that's the spirit of the, of the world. That's the spirit of humanity. And by the way, I mean, that, any one of us could be in that place if it wasn't for Jesus. We all have this human nature. We all have this sin nature. But as God's people, we ought to care. We ought to care more about people than we do ourselves. Selfishness is, ne is, is never a good thing. It's not good for your marriage. It's not good for a relationship and, you know, with people at church. It's not good for, for you and your kids. But the spirit of selfishness is within all of us. Thinking about ourselves, thinking about our gain, what matters to me. And I tell you what, this, this story to me is sad that these masters, all they cared about was making a profit off of this young lady. But Jesus, he loves people, and that's how we ought to be as God's people. So they apprehend Paul and Silas. And now we see in verse number 20, And they brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. So they were, you know, they were, we're going to see that, that the majority of this crowd is Roman, so they're going to play it up like these Jews are bringing in this message that is harming people. We see right here racial profiling, right? They're Jews. It's bad. <laughs> but really, they said that they're bringing in this message that is, that is troubling our city. That's interesting, isn't it? And by the way, the world today, and, and it's going to tell you this sometimes, but don't be discouraged. Sometimes the message of the world today is all these people in church bringing the message of Jesus Christ are just troubling people. No, we're not. I'll tell you what, we're bringing a message of hope to people. We're bringing a message that can free people from their bondage. But the world is going to tell you that message is troubling everybody. You guys just need to stop. You need to stop preaching. You need to stop standing on the word of God because all you're doing is stirring things up. But you know what? That's okay. Let's stir it up. Let's tell people the truth. A lot of people don't want to hear the truth anymore. They want to close their ears to that and say, I just want to hear what's good to me. I want to hear what fits into my line of view. And if you tell me anything else, don't worry about troubling me. But we ought to trouble the city. We ought to trouble our town. We ought to trouble them with the message of Jesus Christ because that is the best message they could ever hear. Don't ever stop preaching the word of God. We make it to a place in this, in this country, and I have no idea, but we make it to a place where the message that we hold to is no longer going to be accepted. We do know that there are countries in the world that will not allow people to preach the gospel. But guess what? There are people who go in there. We have missionaries who go in and they preach. And we ought to preach the word no matter what. We ought to stand in God's truth. And that's what Paul and Silas were doing here. 
And they were accused of bringing this message that would trouble people. It's amazing to me that the name of Jesus is sometimes so offensive to people. You know, uh, I don't know what made me just think of this, but a lot of times people around the, around the holidays, around Christmas time in particular, instead of saying Merry Christmas anymore, they want to say Happy Holidays because I don't want to offend you by saying the name of Christ in Christmas. But let's just say Xmas so we can remove Christ out of Christmas. I mean, people get offended by these things. And, and I hate, and I really, I hate it when I go to a store and they say happy holidays to me. I'll, I'll turn around and say Merry Christmas to them because it's fine. It's fine to celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this world. It's a good thing. Their message probably was not very politically correct right here. The fact that they had cast this demon out of this woman was not something that they enjoyed because they were losing money. Look in verse number 21. So they continue to say they, they exceedingly trouble our city, and then 21, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. We're Romans. It's not lawful for us to receive this message. It's not good for us. And then in verse number 22, the Bible says, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So now this multitude rises up and they say, we're going we're gonna to beat them. We're going to whip them. Now keep in mind, I want you to keep this in mind. When we read in verse number 10, Paul said that he assuredly gathered that this was uh, directly from God. So God led them here. God had been leading them the entire time. The Holy Spirit of God directed them right here. And now they're being beaten. Now, a lot of people would say, God, why would you do that? God, this is unfair. God, why would you bring me to this place to be beaten and mistreated by these people? For just, and, and honestly, they did no harm except for the fact that these people lost their money. But they didn't say that. They didn't say, God, why did you do this? They didn't say, God, this was unfair. God, you should have directed us in a different path. Look in verse number 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, many stripes, the Bible says, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now that word safely is not to say, hey, let's have them, you know, some water and clean up their wounds. That safely was to make sure they can't escape. We want them to be secure. You, you better not let these guys out. So imagine these two men. Just think about it in your mind tonight. Think about Paul and Silas as they sat in the prison cell. Bloody, beaten, bruised. I'm sure they were sore. I'm sure it hurt. It wasn't something that, you know, getting beat is not something that is typically a good thing, right? But here they are laying there in the prison cell. And they're going to do something, and we're going to see it in the next verse, that every Christian ought to have in your heart. They're not going to say, God, you're unfair. They're not, they're not going to say, God, how dare you? They're not going to say, God, why would you? Look in verse number 24. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stock. So they're locked up now. Verse number 25. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. So imagine this. It's at midnight, so it's the dark of night. They're in this prison cell. They're chained up. They've been abused. And what do they do? They start praying to God, and then they start singing. They start singing praise to God. Isn't that amazing? It's not always easy to be thankful, is it? There are many times that my day does not go in a way where I want to say, God, thank you for how everything's going right now. But it's not always about thanking God for everything is going in this current situation. It's about thanking God for his goodness overall and in general. Saying, God, you are good. God, you know what's best. There are many days in my life where I go in, I, I get into situations, and, I, and I'm not saying I never complain because I do, but it's wrong. It's wrong. No matter how, you know, we can blame it on everything else, but there's no excuse for complaining. And I know that, you know, that might sound harsh and that might, but I'm telling you what, if Paul and Silas could live this life, endure this suffering, and still praise God, so can we. So can we. You know what? If you're having troubles with whatever it is, if, if you're having troubles at work, imagine Paul and Silas being beaten and thrown in prison. Maybe if your car is having problems, guess what? Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown in prison. Our trials that sometimes we blow up and make them big and say, God, how dare you do this, are really not that big of a deal. I think sometimes in, in, in the world that we live in, People are just so comfortable that we forget how bad it is in other places. Or we forget how bad Paul and Silas maybe had dealt with things. Maybe I get upset that maybe it's a little bit too hot in church. By the way, sometimes it's hot in church. That's a complaint, I'm sorry. It is, though. Sometimes it's warm. You know, sometimes people get upset over the silliest things. And they make a big deal out of them, don't they? And sometimes i got to say that's me. Sometimes I'm the person who, instead of complaining, I would be saying, God, thank you for everything that you've given to me. God, I don't want to forget what you've done. Even if it's in the past, God, I thank you for everything. If God never ever did anything else for me in my life other than save my soul, I could thank him every day. Every day. But guess what? He does more than that. He does more than that. You know what? A lot of times our perspective plays a big part in how we either complain or thank God. We start looking at the things that are going on in our life, and we start saying, man, this just doesn't seem fair to me. This just doesn't seem like, you know what, I think God should do this instead. But instead of questioning God, why don't we just trust God? If we trust God to save our soul and to keep our soul until we get into heaven, why can't we trust Him for other things in life? The Christian life is all about faith. Living by faith. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you can't see what God is doing. I mean, imagine, in my mind, thinking about Paul and Silas, these guys probably thought, man, what is going on here? We know God led us here. We know God is bringing us. To, we, I, Paul could probably think, man, I saw this vision, and God said he wants us to go and help these people. But what is going on here? But he didn't do that. I would love to know what uh, Paul and Silas were singing. 
You know, it may have been one of the Psalms, who knows? But they sang out. So think about them being in prison and all these other prisoners. They start hearing these two men praising God. Because the Bible says the other prisoners heard them. They didn't just sing a little song, you know. But they sang out. They sang praise to God. You know what's amazing? These two men can praise God in a prison cell. But sometimes people come into church and they can't even sit here long enough to thank God for what he's done and praise him in the worship service. Sometimes you, 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 know, you look on a person and they could care less about being here. But I'm telling you what, Jesus Christ died for your sins. God loves you. God's a wonderful God. One day Jesus will come back to this earth and he will get us out of here. And all of our troubles and trials are going to go away. But I want to thank him now. I want to praise him now. While I have breath in me on this, in this life, on this earth, I want to praise God. We should all be doing that as God's people. But if we're honest, sometimes we complain. If we're honest, sometimes we look at life and say, this is not fair. Think about the testimony that Paul and Silas had to these other jailers. That's what I think about. I think about these two men that were beaten. And these people in jail probably looking at them. These guys are crazy. What are they happy about? How can they rejoice? How, how can they praise God at a time like this? What a great testimony. You know, sometimes we harm our testimony by being complainers. Maybe if you go into work and people know that you're a Christian, they know that you go to church and you love God, and all you do is complain, complain, complain. Why on earth would anybody want what you have if you're a miserable person? Why would they want it? If Paul and Silas were miserable people, man, they're in the wrong business right here. The world around us is only going to get darker. The Bible tells us that. The Bible shows us that. It will get darker. It will get worse. Men will get worse. And we're seeing it played out right before our eyes. Things that I never thought I would see are happening today. But I want to tell you something. Don't be surprised because that's what humanity does. That's what a life without God does. When people deny their maker and refuse to, to acknowledge the fact that there is a God, I mean, they just turn off into everything. The Bible tells us that. Paul told us that in Romans chapter number 1. When people deny the maker and, then, and refuse to believe that a God exists, there is no right or wrong anymore is what they want to do. Nothing really matters. We can just do whatever we want to do, whatever makes me happy, whatever pleases me. But it's amazing to watch these people who hold so strong to their beliefs and, and deny the word of God and they hate Christianity and they hate God and the Bible. Their lives are so miserable. You know why? Because they lack the one thing that can give them joy, and that's Jesus. But I tell you what, as God's people, why are there times in our life where we lack that joy? Because Jesus will give it to you. He will. He will. We don't ever have to go through a day where we can't rejoice in God. But it's hard sometimes. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to say that it's an easy thing to do. Wouldn't you love to know what was going on in Paul and Silas's mind? Now we see these events played out and God shows us what happened and that they sang in the end. But wouldn't you love to know what Paul was thinking? 
I would. Because I know what I would be thinking. <laughs> Why is this happening? But I want to tell you something today. We can always rejoice in the Lord. In fact, not only can we always rejoice in the Lord, God commands us that we always rejoice in the Lord. That we always thank Him. Teach your children to thank God. You know, teach your children that life is not always about getting what you want. Life is not always about things going the way that you expect them to. But life is about rejoicing in God and thanking Him for the goodness that He's done in our life. And I know, I know many of you in this room who have trusted in the Lord. You've, you've, you've been saved for a long time. You've lived... Uh, just, you know, uh, the, the Christian life, I know you can look back on your life and say, God has blessed me. He's blessed me. And I want to tell you in the dark hours, look at how God has blessed you. Because sometimes there will be dark hours. Sometimes there's going to be challenging times in our life that make us want to say, Lord, this is wrong. But God is not wrong. If we allow God to lead us, just like he led Paul, God, does, God knows what he's doing. We're not going to take the time to go into the rest of the story, but uh, this jailer comes in, and he's about to end his life because this earthquake happens, and all the prison doors open up, the chains fall off these prisoners, so he thinks everybody's gone. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to take my life because they're going to kill me anyway. But then Paul and Silas cry out, no, no, no. And he puts his faith in Jesus Christ. God led them. This is, this is interesting to me. God led them right into that prison cell. That's where he wanted them. He wanted them there. And you might say, well, why would he do that? Well, something wonderful is going to come out of this. Something wonderful is going to happen. And see, sometimes if we would just stop complaining about how things are going in our life, and we would look for the opportunities to be a blessing to other people, God can work through us and use us. But if we're always grumpy, complaining, unhappy, you're going to miss out on opportunities like this in your life for God to use you. Tonight, what is your testimony to your family? Think about your family. They know you better than anybody else in this room. When you guys go home and you, you're done with church, they know how you act. We can all put on a good act at church and say, oh, praise God, bless God. But when you get home, how does, it, how does it go? They know how you are. I want to tell you tonight, if you have a complaining spirit, I would get down on this altar tonight and say, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I want to be thankful for what you've done for me. Lord, I don't want to spend my days complaining, unhappy, miserable, because there is joy in Christ, and I want to experience that. At work, how do people know you? Once again, you know, they, they, know, they see you. My work sees me almost more than, they, than I see my family because we do a lot of overtime. So they see me. And guess what? Sometimes on overtime, I'm not always the happiest person. When you're there for 60-plus hours a week, you kind of start getting tired of it. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes people get on my nerves. I'm not going to lie about it. But what I do with that is important because I can ruin my testimony right there by people saying, man, this guy's miserable. Why would I want that? So think tonight in your own mind. Just think about it. Maybe you, most of the time you're happier, but sometimes you just let the, your attitude get the better of you. I want to tell you tonight, we can always be thanking God. 
When the, when the thought comes into your mind to start complaining, we got to say, no, no, no. God's been good to me. God has been good to me. And we ought to rejoice in Him. Everybody, if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to end in a word of prayer. And we'll have a few moments here tonight to where you can come to the altar, pray at your seat, whatever you want to do. But if God has spoken to your heart, I encourage you tonight, don't just pass it off and say, you know, Lord, I'll deal with this later. No, deal with it tonight. Maybe you're a person who says, you know what? I always have a bad attitude. Life is just always unfair to me. Well, you know what? It's time to start focusing on what God has done, how good he is. Let's pray, and then the piano will play, and we'll just spend a few minutes, minutes in silence and uh, allow you to deal with God. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. God, I thank you for such a great testimony from the Apostle Paul and Silas. Lord, that I can read here this, really the difficulty that they went through and the fact that they came out praising you. And Lord, we see people saved as a result. God, we thank you so much that you can use us. Lord, help us. God, anybody in this room who has a negative spirit, Lord, a spirit of complaining, that they would make it right tonight. And Lord, if maybe they damaged their testimony, help us, Lord God, to go and make it right and tell people, Lord, that we love you, that you're good. Lord, help us always to be praising you because you are worthy, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.